0: Hey, everybody, Zach here. Welcome to Friday. You've done it. You've made it through another week. Um, Really excited to share this week's episode with you. Mickey and I have lots of good ideas for you. We have a few great riffs. I think you're really going to, at the very least, be entertained by today's conversation. Um, But before we dive into the meat of the episode, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Element 451 for sponsoring today's show. Now, many of you have heard of Element 451 but for those of you who haven't element's one of the leading higher education crms as a founder here at Enrollify, I get the privilege of speaking with a lot of people who are on the frontier of ed tech, um, and I've seen lots of higher education softwares, lots of uh, higher education CRMs in particular. And there are a couple things about Element 451 that really stand out to me. First and foremost is their UX. Their UX design, the how easy it is to build content in their CRM is, is quite honestly unmatched. Um, what's really neat about Element is it sort of this amazing marriage between the uh, UX of HubSpot and the power of a slate? So. What's neat about this this tool and really this this uh, uh, grouping of tools is that you don't have to compromise on ease of use and design functionality for power. Element gives you both. So that's number one. And then number two, uh, Element actually has this brand new offering that you get for free if you sign up for their CRM, and it's called PAX. PAX is unlike truly unlike anything I've ever seen in the higher education CRM space. And what PAX is is it's free content that is already built into your CRM. So many of you know what the CRM RFP process is like, right? You go, you get people to respond to your RFPs, you have these demos, yada, yada. Uh, One thing leads to another, finally you get approval, you sign up for that CRM, you do the training, And then you realize, oh my gosh, there is a ton of work to build out all of this content. Well, all of that friction is removed with Element 451's PAX. PAX is pre-built content. You can literally go into the CRM, click build me a transfer student uh, campaign or build me a, a senior search campaign, and with a few clicks of a button, uh, email series, marketing automation flow is, is automatically built out. And what's really neat about Pax is that it actually prompts you on specific areas or specific uh, communications to personalize. So it's sort of like this, again, this, this perfect combination of personalization and automation. So you're actually able to build out what would normally take your team uh, months, right, if not longer, in a matter of minutes. And again, Pax is totally free um, for anyone that signs up for for element 451's crm between now and the end of the year so if you want to learn more about element 451 if you want to get a better understanding of the power of this tool and why we're so in love with the ux um, you can head on over to element451.com element451.com forward slash Enrollify. And if you talk to the team there, just mention Enrollify and you will get 10% uh, off of your onboarding fee if you sign up for Element 451 before between now and the end of the year. So lots of lots of uh, great content um, that this team puts out, guys. So uh, you can find lots of great resources on their website. If you would like a personal introduction to their team there, I'm happy to do that for you as well. Um, so again, head on over to element451.com forward slash enrol good morning mickey i want to hear about that idea a little bit more about the idea you emailed me about late last night um it had something to do with a podcast do you uh do you care to elaborate
1: well you do i guess i have to now <laughs> uh we're we're uh, recording this episode and you throw it out there as we get started no um so it, it would be a, it would be not replacing this one. Uh, but I think, you know, I have lots of uh, conversation. Well, my, you know, my work split where I have lots of conversation on a robot then I have lots of conversation around technology. Um, and uh, some colleagues of mine, and we're, we're talking a little bit about um, technology podcasts and, and not necessarily having an agenda, which sometimes, you know, we like to sit here and riff and we'll have a couple of talking points and we don't script it out and let's go. And, you know, and, and as my colleagues and I were talking, they were talking about a couple of podcasts that were to their, at least the word they perceived to be very scripted. So, uh, we came with this idea of, of just roofing on techn- technology, on technology, CRM, improv, I love it. Which, I love it. Um, I think it's a great name when I thought of the name, I thought, well, we have to have a podcast for that now. Um, and so that's really what it's going to be. It's, it's, it's of course, high red focused, um, but let's let's talk about um, let's riff on ways that we grow through the use of technology, uh, and not just have um, um, CRM CEOs on. Nothing against the CEOs; they help you know set the vision and the roadmap for their companies. But you know, let's have some product specialists and their clients that use that. Particular functionality at a product for a particular company. And let's talk about ways that um, that the client helped evolve the product over time. So we can see where it was a year or two or three years ago, where it is today, where it's going to be tomorrow, and 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 how clients are taking that existing product, adding on their own spin to it. Um, and when I say product, I don't mean an entire CRM. I mean just a particular component. Let's focus on that and let's see, you know, how. Folks are texting with Slate, or how folks are texting with Signalvine and integrating that into Salesforce. You know, whatever it is, let's let's talk about that. And let's expand upon it. Let's look at how one-stop service areas of an institution are using CRM, um, and let's give you deep dive um, use cases and and to help you think about. How you're using CRM and how you might be expanding it because it's growing. And and I just made this comment to someone this week. You know, there's some folks that are doing really really well with CRM. Uh, Some folks who do pretty well with it or do really well with the with the more narrow focus. Uh, And then there are folks who still don't quite understand. And and the problem is those who really use it well um, are getting really good results. And those results might be more prospective students, more newly enrolled students more returning students as they look at success and retention. Um, All of that's happening. And if you don't know the term CRM, you're you're behind. And what I'm finding now is the rate with which those leading schools are creating and expanding functionality is growing at a rate faster than those who have a remedial understanding of CRM are able to learn to understand the basic functionality of CRM. So the gap is just getting wider and wider. And how can we, um, A, help Innovative schools innovate further. How can we have um, a series that over time creates more content to help folks catch up faster? Um, you know, that's that's what we're trying to do.
0: I absolutely love it. I could
1: talk for another two hours on it. Obviously, I know, but, I know.
0: Um, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have to see uh, where this one goes. Um, I I'm excited, but uh, um, you know, with that lovely intro, folks, we welcome you to this week's episode of Fanatical Friday. Our goal every week is to discuss the traits, the strategies, and the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack. I'm super excited about this uh prospective uh podcast, Mickey. And you know, now that you've put it out there, I think you have to do it. Um, so we'll we'll have to discuss more <laughs> offline of, of how to how to make that happen. Um, but we got I'm thinking after the
1: holidays. Yeah, I'm Take December off. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: December's got it. We have to plan it. We have to plan it, um, at least <clears throat> have some idea of the direction for the first three episodes. And if we're going to have people on, let's figure out who are the right folks. Let's get them invited uh, and get that lined up. So, you know, give us a little time. But I think January would be a good time to get that launched.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, well, we've got a couple things to talk about today, and we'll see where we go from there. The first thing that I wanted to chat a little bit about are is some interesting data that... Um, we've sort of compiled, and by you know we compiling, I really mean just logging into rush and doing some uh, organic keyword research. And what we're what we were interested in doing was trying to understand how have. Uh, particular search terms either grown, uh, expanded, and or contracted since um, the late summer. Um, And so what we were specifically interested in looking at were terms around finishing my degree or completing my bachelor's or should I go to college or should I go to grad school. What we wanted to understand is did the monthly search volume change um, during again the the late spring slash into the late summer versus sort of uh uh late fall, which is you know where we are at right now. We just sort of did this analysis last week and just wanted to share like a couple of interesting trends that uh, we uncovered um again with respect to monthly search volume, which again is the number of searches around a particular keyword or search term that's happening in any given month. And then, Mickey, I'd love your sort of just comments or thoughts on why some of these trends uh, might be what they are. So uh, trend number one, should I go to college? Okay, that's a particular keyword that uh, we were looking at. So if you look at sort of late spring into late summer and you compare that with late fall, so where we were at last week, there's a 10% increase in that monthly search volume. So should I go to college um, around sort of the fall is not necessarily crazy to think about, but what's... Also interesting is that if you look back 12 months from now, the MSV trend holds. So if you look back from last fall to this fall, there's a 10% increase in the number of people asking Google the question, should I go to college? Pretty interesting. Um, A little bit more interesting, at least to me, was that if you look at should I go to grad school, that term, we see a 20.5% increase in monthly search volume year to date, and from the late spring to late summer as compared to this fall. So there are 20, over 20% more people searching for the term, should I go to grad school um, this fall, like right now, than they were a year ago, than they were even six months ago. So I'll pause there, Mickey. Any sort of insight or, or idea around um, why this might be the case? Uh, sure,
1: a uh, couple of reasons
0: that come to my
1: mind, uh, off the top of my head, uh, for the graduate school in particular, we have uh, a large number of of students uh, who just graduated who may not have gotten jobs this year. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I was talking with someone um, recently who, uh, a board member um, for board of trustees member for one of our um, clients, and he was telling me. His daughter just graduated. Um, has done uh, was a journalism major, which is a tough, you know, I think uh, major right now in terms of job placement, as or at least challenging. Um, but had just finished uh, an internship. Um, what performed really well. Got praise from um, the folks in intern at a at a very large multimedia organization up in New York City. Um, but they weren't able to keep her or any of their interns on, and they normally do, wow. uh, and, and has been struggling to, to find work, has just been picking up some more freelance work, uh, but you know, she was in an internship that almost always Keeps their interns as full-time hires. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it just didn't happen. And I'm, and I've heard that from other folks where they just didn't have um, the opportunities in their field and and they're without. So in that scenario, those students might be looking to go continue on to grad grad school. So that might be part of it. We also have, you know, some management level folks on furlough yeah. are being laid off. You know, what else is there to do, especially, especially if I'm at furlough and and I want to enhance my opportunities or, 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 uh, increase my opportunities in case that furlough ends and they don't keep me and I get laid off permanently, you know, those are, those are things to do. So I would, I would suspect that has a lot to do with it. Um, with that search, I'd be, I mean, again, those, those, those two groups doing those searches, um, same thing with, you know, the, the completing the degree piece, you know, if, you know, as you're looking, should I go to college, those types of things for a non-traditional age student, um, I could see that happening. Uh, you know, there, there there are, where a lot of folks, especially in in some of the you know food service industry positions, that were you know out of work for a long period of time, a lot of them still are or have reduced hours. You know, there's there's more time to think about this opportunity. Yeah. Now the question is, are they taking advantage of it, uh, and are they applying, going to that next step?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, super, super interesting insights, and uh, couldn't agree with you more there. I think what is uh, most interesting to me is there's been this big question. Uh, I have lots of friends in the uh, graduate enrollment management space, and there's been this big question around, okay, historically, anytime there's a recession, um, people go back to school. They go back to grad school, right? That, that's just been true. Um, grad school saw this, you know, a huge uptick in enrollment after uh, 2008. And the big question has been, um, will right this recession uh, coupled with a pandemic? What will be sort of the the fruit born from this uh, from a graduate school's perspective? And I think like again, this is just one very 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 kind of small insight here. But if you look at based based off of the the volume of people that are searching for questions, searching for answers rather to these questions, and if we see this uptick of twenty percent, I think it's fair to. Um, at least assume that there's an awareness, um, a growing awareness about whether or not uh, folks have uh, the skills that they need in order to be competitive, especially in the market today. So that's interesting. Um from a graduate enrollment management uh, standpoint, I think as a marketer, personally, what I see when I uh, uncover this sort of uh, a trend like this is, okay, how are schools capitalizing on this? Meaning, what content are you creating to help answer these questions? How are you going to increase your SEO, your your organic search rankings so that you can actually win a top spot on one of these queries? Um, and I think that... You know, the schools that have been doing content marketing well for a while um, have a a leg up here. But for those of you who don't, there are a a fair number of sub keywords, subsets of keywords, related keywords around that kind of core term of should I go to grad school that you absolutely do have opportunity to win on. So I see this as sort of being... um, a, a, I don't know, a, an encouragement, a, a cry um, for folks who are have been looking for sort of like the excuse to really get into inbound or really get into good content marketing is, hey, look, go to your superiors and say, there is an uptick in people searching for this stuff. How are we ensuring that our content is being found by them? Um, so those are a couple things that, that come to mind there. What's also really interesting um, and perhaps the most interesting thing that that I uncovered in this, you know, little experiment here was that if you look at the queries around finishing bachelor's degrees or finishing my degree, right, we're seeing a 450 percent increase in monthly search volume from the late spring um, to to right now to present day. So 450 percent more uh, queries to Google around finish my bachelor's degree online, how do I finish my bachelor's degree, etc. So for all of the folks listening who have degree completion programs like this is the opportunity to like this is your time to shine you absolutely if you're not already need to have content that uses these particular terms so that you can capitalize again on that top of the funnel traffic and nurture them accordingly with your with your communications with your with your CRM etc so um, I'll pause there, Mickey. Uh, any any sort of thoughts or insight on on that particular trend?
1: Yeah, I mean, so your numbers—you said those were year-to-year comparisons. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, and that was based on for the this current time now. And I, I'll not be just yeah,
0: I, yeah. And I should be very, very clear here. So we're looking at a we're looking at partic- very specific terms. So finish bachelor's degree yep. online is one, and finish bachelor's. Um, degree without the online is another, and you're looking at like an increase of, again, these numbers are representative SCM rush does like representative, uh, MSV. So, you know, if, if 20 mon- monthly searches were happening in late spring, that is now 110, um, in any given month. So just, we're, we're just seeing a, a huge, huge, huge uptick in the people that are searching for those particular queries.
1: Yep. Uh, so, uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, this is we're at a peak time. I, I would bet if you go look at the numbers, not necessarily see how it's faring year to year. I I, I can't speak to that. But if you if you watch them on a week to week basis, uh, this next week's results. Um, so if you wait two weeks and then look at this coming up week, you'll see on Tuesday it's going to crash a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and probably around the I don't know the maybe the Sunday or Monday after Thanksgiving, it'll it'll pick back up a little bit for two weeks and then drop uh, around the 21st, 22nd of December and around the 27th of December, it'll spike. So that's typically, um, what we see, especially for like degree completion programs or, or, uh, maybe some, um, some graduate programs that have spring starts. Um, you'll see that spike pick back up. That's, that's, you know, historically what I see most, most years. I mean, there's some anomalies in there, but, um, but those are you know, I I don't get to spend the same amount of time looking at it as I used to but those were the things we would be looking at on a weekly basis as we looked at you know what is our what what typically happens and what's happening right now and how does that impact our our the, how we throttle our spend yeah um, do we move more funds up now and and know that we'll throttle down earlier than we'd anticipated or maybe throttle more than we would anticipate you know we would look at those types of things for sure yeah yeah
0: no and i think like um, what's, in, what's, what's interesting to me too, is we get a lot of, we've, we, we've received more than, uh, than ever before sort of inquiries, um, from enrollment managers asking for help with the marketing of their degree completion programs. Um, obviously sort of like this, the, the adult learner is, uh, an audience that just about everyone wants to, uh, capitalize on and, and, you know, uh, expand their market share in, um. And when I look at this data, right to me, it's like, hey, who are the schools that are answering these questions for the people searching for this query? Especially when it's online, right? Like, and in theory, a student can be anywhere. So, how are like your marketing strategy needs to start at least from a content standpoint um, by building out really deep resources that help answer these folks' questions, so that again you can capitalize on that. increase in monthly searchers like to me that's where you start right before you think about like oh should we launch an aggressive paid search campaign oh should we you know drop $50,000 on a marketing consultant to do all this brand work for us it's like those things might be needed that's true but right the low-hanging fruit and it's it's I guess not super low-hanging fruit because it requires work to create the content the content's got to be good but the low-hanging fruit is how do you build something that is a direct answer to somebody's question. Um, and I think that these trends just, just uh, re- reinforce sort of the need and the value for educational content that will help prospective students through their journey to enrollment, especially the adult audience. Um, last sort of trend that I found interesting, and then we can move on, um, is if you look at just the late spring, so you look at um, uh, April and May, of 2020 and you compare that to the fall we've seen a negative uh, 25% uh or just a 25% rather a uh, decrease in monthly search volume around the term how to transfer schools so um, if it brings anybody a, a little bit of solace, obviously there's there's a couple things that could be happening here, but one one way to look at this data and to think about it, uh, if you need a good pick me up, is there are fewer people, there are fewer prospective students, or fewer current students, excuse me, thinking about trying to transfer schools um, right now than they were in in the late spring, um, which again sort of makes sense because of the you know timeline of of an academic year. Um, but yeah, so anyways, I, I found these trends interesting. Hopefully you know, this is helpful to some of you listening who are thinking about uh, your content strategies for 2021. Um, and I think it's just really important to, to be really honest with ourselves about, okay, what are people actually thinking about right now? What are they actually like? What are their big concerns um, in the present moment, and how are we ensuring that our institutions, our enrollment management teams, are um, helping them and really sort of like being sort of the resource that genuinely uh, adds value to their life and answers their questions? So that that's all I have on that, Mickey. Uh, I don't know if you have any any last comments there.
1: No, I do. I, I do. Um, so I, I find that really interesting when you when you look at the search terms about how folks transfer. Because when we think about some of the data we shared a few weeks ago, the transfer numbers, um, especially on community colleges, were down. Yeah, four-year institutions had a pick me up a little bit, had a, had a little bit of an increase on two-year to four-year transfers, regardless of whether or not the student actually attained a degree. Right. So um, that, but uh, the rest of the four-year to four-year transfer down. Yeah, And so if we're seeing a big increase in the search and not a big increase in the enrollment, the search is helping those students talk them out of transfer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, so sorry, at the, least more
1: the, than more than more than not. Right. So uh, the question is. Are they, you know, am I doing that search, winding back up on my own institutions page and seeing how difficult it is to get what I need from them? Or am I looking at another institution and it's not clear to know what the process is? It looks to be uh, uh, a a big lift on my part just to get everything to them to be considered. Are my deadlines as an institution too far out? Um, And so I'm turning people away because for spring, you have to have everything to us by December one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the term's not it. You know, I actually have uh, clients that have had that in the past. If you don't have everything to us by December one, you can't transfer in the spring. They've not taken finals for fall. Yeah, how want yeah. to transfer and get you things? Yeah, got to look carefully. Well, we don't have time to process because we begin January eighth. You know what? Um, that's fine. We respect it, but you can't then go in and say we really want to jump and increase our transfer numbers if you're not going to create a process that lets them come. Yeah. You've got two conflicting things. So I think, if nothing else, that data tells us students really are interested in transferring, or at least they were when this pandemic hit. I don't know if that's going to continue now, but they may or may not be able to follow through because you're not communicating clearly or you're communicating clearly some really bad processes. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, and I mean, and again, just to be super clear, so the 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 trend right now is a is a twenty three percent decrease, twenty five percent rather decrease in uh, uh, search volume around how to transfer schools this fall as compared to the spring. So what I was saying to you okay. is like this is this is positive. I mean, so this totally aligns with what you're saying, like the data that you were referencing a moment ago, um, which um, you know is that transfer is down but what this so why i was saying that this is somewhat hopeful for those uh those institutions looking to retain their their students is that um fewer people are searching for this particular term um today than they were in april and may of this year so so i i agree that's
1: definitely good news i think it does kind of also go with what i was saying there about um about the transfer rules and people looking into it and then deciding not to do it, I think exactly. that that reflects, um, you know, what we saw. Um, this is I'm, I'm glad you shared this. It's first I've heard um, of this data about um, the search uh, around transfers, so I think that's important, and hopefully, folks are uh, making note of that. And hopefully, you know, with fewer people searching for it now, now that we've been in this uh, pandemic world and we've been in having a spring term end remotely and and fall. Um, being on the ground and some hybrid and some remote models in place. Now, what might be interesting, by the way, is to look to see what happens over the next three weeks with that search, because yeah. many schools are saying, "Hey, we're going home for Thanksgiving break and we're finishing the rest of the fall uh, away." Yeah, remote, no,
0: exactly. Yeah, it's a very, right? very. And so, good point. does
1: that bring back the interest? But you know, I think now that folks are I, what we're seeing in that data, to me, tells me folks have become more accustomed to it they found their way through it and they know they can make it
0: yeah yeah no absolutely and i mean i should or just... the pain was just too big when they looked last time and they just <laughs> it's just not yeah it. there's too much friction um and i should just say too right like this is us using i think i already said this but we use sem rush to uh to understand sort of uh, search trends um there are much more sophisticated platforms um out there and you know the folks that yeah. like niche and capex do a lot of this work and they do really 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 great work in this space and so it's totally worth sort of uh consulting uh their data as as well but this is just looking at like uh, holistically over a particular period of time how have uh, the MSV the monthly search volume around a very particular keyword grown or you know expanded or, or contracted and so that's this is again a, a rough analysis but I, I do think is still sort of helpful um, and provides us with a framework again around what we should be focused on with respect to content creation Um Mickey, I want to talk about one last thing in the in the last few minutes that we have here, and we can absolutely sort of carry this conversation into um, another episode. But I want to talk uh, for for just a few minutes here around sort of the the importance of what we're sort of calling power phrases um, with respect to an institution's brand. So we talk a lot about, uh, with our, with our clients about going sort of like beyond the tagline. So most schools spend lots of money coming up with, you know, working with a branding agency or, you know, maybe they do this in-house and they come up with like a great logo. They come up with great branding. They come up with like the, you know, anywhere from a two to six word sort of tagline that represents their institution. Right. And then from there, like, that's helpful. It's then on everyone's email signatures. It's all over the website. It's on all of their print materials. It's, you know, on the banners that, um, you know, uh, are all over the, the, uh, college or university, um, uh, grounds, you know, and, and you know, you, you've got things like go, you know, go bold or go home, or, you know, here is where you thrive or where innovation meets tradition, like all these things, right. Which are, which are great. Um, But from an enrollment manager's perspective, sometimes what we're finding, and we're finding a huge uptick in this, is actually requests for help around how do I take... How do I develop additional messaging that is congruent with my brand, but that I can like give my team, equip my team with, uh, so that when they're on calls with prospective students, when they're emailing kind of like a one-to-one, um, they're sending a one-to-one communication that they can kind of splice these power phrases, um, into these communications so that we, again, uh, have congruent messaging, um, that, very, you know uh, carefully and creatively um, splices in our unique value propositions. And so, what I'm interested in, in hearing your thoughts on are: um, Do you agree? Do you feel like there's sort of this this interest or this need for uh, power phrases or uh, language that folks can uh, that folks can use to um, you know uh, better express their unique value proposition in a way that's uh, a little bit deeper than just sort of their their basic tagline. Uh- well, I have a, I have mixed feelings on it. Okay. Uh,
1: I like it. I think from a marketing standpoint, awesome. Um, I wonder what the value is going to be for your audience that you're talking to if you find power phrases just to insert. You know, I from from the admission side or the sales side, I look about authenticity. Hmm. And if you're going to give me power phrases, how can I authentically infuse them into my wording. And so, you know, if I'm looking at it from that perspective, to me, it's got to be natural.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, now, I, you know, how I I look at phrasing, um, I, 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 you know, I think there's ways to, I think there have to be ways to do it. It depends on, on your tagline. Um, I think obviously I, I, when you, when you mentioned that, I think of the last institution where I worked, we had a great tagline. We loved it. It inspired us. And this is where I think the tagline and maybe even power phrases can do, I think, more goodwill in terms of let's get more buy-in around campus. Let's use some of this power phrasing messages around campus, um, to help us better articulate internally what we're doing and how this connects to our mission. Hmm. Does hmm. that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um, and, and that yeah.
1: gets me, I think more buy-in cause like I might my, my last institutional work in, and this is not their current tagline, I don't think, but, um, it um, was a different way of thinking. Hmm. That was our tagline, and you know, we thought of a lot of things in very different ways. And in, in fact, it inspired in a lot of the work that we were doing and how we wrote the strategic plan. It didn't necessarily inspire the strategies, but how we looked at the strategies, it actually helped inspire it, and it, it inspired some. It inspired some of the language we put in there. I, I remember conversations um, the planning committee had. And, and how we thought about the tagline when we were putting this together. Yeah. Um, you know, when we thought about creating interdisciplinary programs that were not, you know, interdisciplinary, meaning we're taking two different types of curriculum and we're blending them together for a new program, um, you know, looking at something like that and that, you know, creating programs that weren't always around and, and creating a model that allowed students to take any two programs that they wanted to create their own interdisciplinary major. Hmm. Like, that's a different way of thinking.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and while other schools may do it, they don't have a formal process in place that really enables any student the ability to do it. Yeah. yeah. This institution did that. You know, so the, to me, there were ways to bring that in. Now, now, if we took this concept, could you find other phrasing in there, power phrases that help em- embody that or embolden some of those approaches? Yeah. Yes. Um I so I think it has to be natural. Uh, you need a creative mind who has it in who has the ability to connect the ideas together to see it to help you get there. But it then needs to be natural. Yeah. Uh you know it's it's taking a conversation where we're talking about podcasts and CRM and then riffing and improving to say hey CRM prop great cool trendy name like it. Um connecting that You need someone that can connect ideas, I think, to help you identify some phrases and then figure out how do you authentically inject them. And then that becomes, you know, almost like your some printed material like posters and signs are on campus where I think you can kind of point that out. And then in giving a campus tour, you can kind of see that. Um, I I think that's how you begin to interject it, not just starting to put it all on your website or or in emails. How do you bring things together? But um, so I like it. I just want to be sure we're, you know, we really think it through yeah. and work with others on campus besides just the marketing and maybe just admissions and marketing to get buy-in from other folks.
0: Yeah, it's almost like yeah, it, it absolutely needs to be sort of a, a it's a culture conversation ultimately. And yes. I like what you're saying about like starting on campus and whatnot. And I guess what I'm what I'm sort of uh, honing in on here is there are you know schools when in, in their com flows have like the classic like three to four bullet points about their unique value propositions, and many of them sound identical, right? Like small class sizes, great culture, blah, 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 like lots of activities, lots of we have a 90% plus job placement rate after whatever it is, right? Which all Mm -hmm. those things are, uh, you know, presumably true about the school. But when you're when you're marketing to when you're communicating with students who are being hit with that same messaging from seven other institutions all at the same time, right? Right. How are you going to stand out? And so, I guess what I'm saying is like, how do you take your unique value propositions? Uh, how do you understand like what is true about your brand, and how how do you craft new uh, UVPs really um, that sound a lot better and 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 different? Um, but again, our our our. Um, are are genuine to your brand, right? It's not we're not talking about like rebranding here. Um they should they should yep. support and uh, augment it. So I so I think we're talking yeah. can, well, can I take two minutes please and
1: expand on what
0: you're saying. So Do let's it.
1: take the the idea I was just talking about with my former institution, a different way of thinking. And and to clarify my point on it is is if I'm an in an emissions and I'm promoting Um, Our interdisciplinary programs and the way that students can craft their own educational path, combining majors that they want, that is natural. And I can take my tagline, a different way of thinking, and create my power phases around that versus an admissions team that says the same thing but doesn't already have all of those structure in place behind the scenes you are going to piss off a bunch of faculty when students say, (laughs) hey, I want to come and create my own. Well, yes, I've had two students do that in the past decade. It's a really hard thing to do. It's going to take you five and a half years to graduate. Do you want to do that? Well, no, I don't. So those are two very different models, right? Um, Now, that's not to say my former institution didn't have it in place. So that if you wanted to take two, two, I don't know, different types of majors, I don't know, we'll say, Um, religious studies and chemistry, okay, that's a four and a half, maybe five-year program now because of the two different requirements those programs have. But but to say, if you wanted to take business and you want to take biology, yes, that is a four-year program if you let us know up front. You know, having that in place, you know, that's, what I'm looking to do is, and, and and that's a, I think maybe a little bit more of a, an extreme example of a large scale use, but that's what I'm talking about: taking things that exist that already fit with your tagline, and using that versus trying to force something just to make you stand further apart. Because what you can do is present something that's not accurately, that's not truly accurate once the folks get enrolled. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where I like to see, you know, that nice alignment of taking the unique things that you do that connect with your tagline and then using the power phrases in a way to help promote and get that value proposition across. How do you write out and convince someone that you really are interdisciplinary in your yeah. approach? And that really is a different way to go about it that most of the other schools that these students are looking at are not going to have that same opportunity or, or those schools don't offer that opportunity. How, how does that get worded? And that, you know, the root of how you build it is coming from a different place. And I think you can get to, um, something better and more accurate. If you go the route of looking what we have, um, versus trying to force it from just the tagline itself.
0: I love it. And I think that that is a fantastic way to, to end today's conversation. Um, as always, folks, please uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Hopefully these uh, tips, tricks, strategies, uh, random riffs uh, are, are helpful. Um, and thank you all for, for being here. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Mickey, for your time. And we'll chat next week. Thanks, actually, Actually, we will not chat next week. We're taking next week off, right, for Thanksgiving. So the week after. Oh, we're going to be lazy and take, for, I'm just I, think, I think we should. I think we deserve a <laughs> yes. break. <laughs> yes.
1: Let's be take a moment to be thankful and, and rest up for the following week. Sounds good. All right. Thank you.